All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Motorsports Minute here. This time we're finding ourselves a little further away from home. We are down a little further south, a little better weather. It's actually supposed to be, what, 70 here today? Supposed to get up in the 60s, but 60s? I think tonight the low is like 20-something. So yeah, we'll see. versus the 20 inches of snow we're supposed to be getting back home right now. Yeah. Um, anyway, my name's Brady here, you know, Mitchell, and... These gentlemen here have invited us into their place here. We're going to learn about uh, kind of what they do in the F1 SAE world. Gentlemen, your names? Sir, I'm uh, Creighton Hughes. I'm the project manager here at uh, Husker Motorsports. I'm Ziad Ness. I'm the technical director here at Husker Motorsports. Anyway, so one of the reasons we wanted to come kind of talk to you guys is it's not something, you know, we do a lot of different motorsports stuff, um, basically anything with a motor, you know, we're interested in and follow to some degree. Um, this is something that you never hear of, see of, and especially in our neck of the woods. I'm going to fall backwards right out of this chair. Um, anyway, this isn't something that we, you know, we see at all, you know, up in our neck of the woods, at least not mainstream where you come across it more unless you have somebody directly affiliated with that program. So we yeah. thought it'd be kind of interesting to come down and kind of see, see what you guys do, learn more about uh, what it is. I know we've been talking about that a little bit off camera here, but... Um, kind of lighten us on what the program, you know, is about and why it's part of the school. Yeah, definitely. So Formula SAE, it's a, it's a worldwide competition. Uh, it's for Formula Society of Automotive Engineers, and it's an engineering-based design competition. Um, so, you know, we uh, there's about – at our competitions in North America, we do about 120 teams. Um, but I think they're about 600 worldwide. Europe's really big with it. A lot of great teams out of Germany, but uh, it's a student-based competition, um, and each year uh, students have to uh, design uh, and build their own Formula-style race car, and then bring it to competition. And we compete against other universities, and it starts with a, a design-based um, presentation. So you do a design presentation, you do a cost and business report, and then you get a race in a couple different events. Um, autocross, we do a 22-kilometer endurance run. Uh, and we do some like straight line speed runs and skid, skid pad stuff. So um, kind of test all around the car. Um, and really, it's they do it as a engineering learning opportunity. But it's an opportunity for anyone that loves motorsports in college to get involved and kind of work with that. So yeah, I mean, it's, uh, like Rain said, it's pretty cool. It's early in the season. It's pretty much just design. Like right now, we're just doing design pretty much and. But once you get in the spring and actually go to competition, it's uh, it's a full-on race race event, which is pretty awesome. And do you do you guys have to build a new car every year? Um, so the rules state that the only thing that has to be completely new each year is uh, chassis. So you have to weld a new chassis each year. Um, I guess I, you could technically weld the exact same chassis and move all your parts over, but um, a lot of the bigger programs definitely will build a new car each year and um save it we've uh past couple of years we've tried our best to save all of our cars so they continue to run um especially our 2019 car which was our first design finals car and first top 10 finish um and so that but like yeah we went down to ut arlington and i guess you can talk more about that but they have i think every car since 1984 still running on campus so i don't know the exact year it's definitely somewhere in the 80s or 90s i mean they had so for the UT Arlington um, race, they like at the beginning of the race they had twenty cars drive down the street 
and enter the parking lot where we were racing at, which is a crazy scene. I mean, it's kind of a it's a pretty big flex on all the other teams that are yeah. there. It's like, <laughs> yeah, jeez. But uh, yeah, we try and save every year's car. Although you can see up here, um, with the blue nose cone twenty one, not fared well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they can see it on camera, but oh yeah, the camera probably can't see it, but but yeah, it's uh, it's some supply issues and a little bit of budgeting issues with COVID going on um, in that car. So we had to pull some parts off of it for this car here sitting behind us. But um, yeah, it's uh, our best to keep them running. And then uh, really, it's just many cars running and racing as possible. So this car here, I know because you call them by number. So is this yeah. your 22 car? Yeah, so that's HMS 22. Um, so 22 based after the year. So we raced this this last summer. We had two races at Michigan at Michigan International Speedway. Um, placed uh, seventh and twelfth overall. Uh, seventh being our highest uh, finish in the club's history. So nice. pretty excited yeah, about that. Nice. Yeah, the club's been around since. You guys, it's like uh, it's been around for 10, 12 years. 2012? Since 2012. Since 2012. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is at least, I think this is our 11th car. Yeah. 11th. 11th. I think you're talking about the naming. Um, Yeah. So currently we refer since, let's see, 2019 car was the first year we started calling by year. Before that, like if you look at our website, we list all the cars. And before that, they used to just like car one was Husker one and then they had Husker two. And then it was whatever the the car number before 2019's car where they switched to 2019. Yeah. Right. So yeah, this is 2022. This is 2020 up in front of us. So are you guys pretty much you're basically sponsor ran? I mean, does the school help out cuz I know you talk a lot about the budgeting. Does the school help out or I mean, you got I don't know 20, 30 businesses it looks like that help you out? Yeah, definitely. Um so it's it's mainly sponsor ran. Um, we do get money from the university, uh, and they help us out as much as possible. Um, you know, I am uh, on a kind of a first name basis with the uh, department head of mechanical engineering, and he loves what the club does for the school, and we love what the school does for our club. Um, so the money that comes from the school it goes through a um, uh, student board. We have an engineering student board. Um, and they basically get a lump sum of cash for all the clubs, and then they decide how they want to give it out. Typically, we get around, uh, I'd say, like uh, twenty to 30000 from them um, to start out, and then the rest is uh, uh, comes from sponsors. Uh, we have a lot of sponsors in the ethanol business. Uh, we run E85 in our car um, for the performance benefits and to support uh, local Nebraska agriculture and stuff like that, but um, a lot of those ethanol sponsors are happy to – have a, a local Nebraska team that they can support in terms of motorsports. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's super cool. I was telling him earlier, I wish I wish I would have had this opportunity. I've I was telling you guys I've been in the motorsports my whole life. Uh, something like this would have been intriguing in school, you know. Instead, I was in my garage tinkering my on my own. So for the viewers that can't see, I mean, they got their own dyno stand. They got engines torn apart on the you know all over. They got a CNC. I mean, they, they got the full setup and it's pretty sweet. And I was talking to them, they used all the machines, mostly self-taught on the machines. Yeah. Um, so I think everyone definitely, I think we have a couple guys in the past that have had machine experience. There's one guy 
on our sister team, uh, Baja, that has um, some machining background, but it's mainly student taught. Uh, just the older guys kind of show the younger guys how to run them. And then uh, obviously supervise everything and make sure they're getting the hang of it and then uh, you can do it. So anything that's a little too precise or uh, awkward to machine, we'll outsource it to a sponsor. Sure. Um, or uh, use some of our sponsor money to go uh, pay someone to do it. But, um, you know, it's student-led, student-run competition, so we try to take every opportunity we can to get the students involved and have them um, do as much as they can on the car. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's cool because these – you know, like a CNC, things like that, they're, you just don't learn that overnight. Um, even I've only used, used some a handful of times, so I'm no, I'm no expert either, and I know it takes time. So that's, that's super cool, being self-taught like that. Yes, I was drinking a Capri Sun. <laughs> you never turn down a Capri Sun when it's offered to you. Yeah, for I know the camera here can't see a lot of the stuff, um, like Mitchell said, that's, that's going on here, but, you know, for... Again, someone like me that's I've never been around I've never been around this, you know, neither has Mitchell. You know, it's it's not something that's really well well known, I guess, as far as the motorsports industry in in our area where we're from. Um I'll tell you what, the level of detail on these builds is kinda of obnoxious. You know, it doesn't look like that from far away until you get close and then you're like, Wow, somebody's put a lot of time into and thought into this. It's kinda of just what you get with the know team of you know 15 20 engineers that all want to do something crazy dream up these insane imagination uh you know designs and unfortunately a lot of the time we kind of have to reel them back in with the capabilities that we have but we like like to let you know kind of the imagination run wild and uh do the best we can on them for sure is, it, is there any button of heads on on ideas there oh, you it put definitely 15, happens you know 15 engineers in the happens, same room yeah, yeah we uh <laughs> We have, um, you know, we meet for design, you know, as a team, you know, two to three times a week. And then we'll have a, you know, a leadership meeting, too, where we just sit down and talk about what's going on and uh, get a lot of, you know, it's fun hostility in those meetings sometimes, you know. You get uh, suspension guys that want to have a, you know, $15,000 set of hubs and uprights on their car like <laughs> we did last year. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – we try to do – especially with me and project management, um, you know, I, when I was as a sophomore, I was an aerodynamics lead on the team and kind of just wanted to do, you know, as much as you can to make a cool design and design that works and helps the car. And um, now seen on the other side on the project management, I, you know, it's hard to tell those guys that, hey, like we might not be able to do this this year. We might have to put it off a year or might not be able to do it in the foreseeable future. But um, just now trying to get every opportunity we can to let them run away with it and see what they can do. Yeah, cool ideas, but everything's got to be within a budget, unfortunately. Yeah, you know? budget and time. I mean, yeah. right. We, we start design in August, and we start manufacturing in November or December usually, and then we're racing by May. So it's a really quick turnaround time. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, yeah, I would say definitely the bigger one is time. I like to think that you know, any idea that we can come up with, we can try and find a sponsor. If it's a money problem, can try and fix it with finding more sponsors or fit into the budget somehow but most of the time it turns out to be a bigger you know oh we're not gonna have time to design it we're not gonna have time to implement it so it's not gonna work out right yeah i guess my favorite question uh we can go one by one with you guys what got you into the motorsports you want to start 
Uh, I can't. I mean, motorsports as in like the te- this team or just motorsports in general? In general. Because, I mean, the in general is what ultimately brought you here, you know, in a sense. Um, I don't know. That's a pretty good question. I guess my, uh, my dad has always been into cars and stuff like that. And so from a young age, I had pretty large interest in, you know, what was new coming out and stuff like that because that's what he was interested in. And I always loved Porsche. And then from there, when I turned 16, I got my own car. I kind of started tinkering a little, and, uh, you know, that's where I branched out to my own love of cars from there, you know, trying to learn how to drive them fast, learn how to work on them, what kind of stuff I can do to make them a little faster. And then uh, fast forward, I found this te- the Husker Motorsports team, and from there is just a whole other level that I've enjoyed a lot. Hopefully that answers that question. Yeah, yeah, it does. I don't know, I'm kind of – Similar. Um, I mean, I don't – coming into college, I really didn't have much at all of a motorsports background. My dad is a, he's kind of – he's a car guy, but he's not necessarily um, doing much of the engine building or anything like that himself. He, he drives a Challenger, but he's, uh, he's an accountant. So he's like he, – uh, <laughs> most of the time he's just, uh, you know, experiencing, you know, going fast and stuff like that, not necessarily sitting in the shop tinkering with stuff. But growing up, kind of – you know, just building Legos and stuff like that. Always kind of wanted to get engineering, and then I uh, came to school here and saw, um, you know, this great program at just an engineering club fair, and saw, you know, looked around. And I was like, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff here at university, but this has got to be the coolest. I mean, so that kind of got me into it, and then since I started, you know, working with the team, really started getting into, you know, watching motorsports and following motorsports, and now you know, we watch F1 all the time. Uh, we were in the shop last year and uh, working on the car, and it was like probably midnight or something. And then it was last year, and I said, uh, oh, I think 24-hour Le Mans is on. So at midnight, we left the shop and went back to my place and stayed at my place up to 5 in the morning watching 24-hour Le Mans or something like that. And then, So it's, yeah, just, I, like I said, coming to college, not much with the motorsports side, but um, once I found this group and just really got into it, and now it's, pretty much most of my life so right and it's yeah. crazy uh the friends and relationships that you build yeah. like in in the motorsport industry for sure uh i know we have for sure um but just meeting all these people i've talked to a lot of different people now in the last month month and a half and almost everyone i've talked to has you know like has the sense of i've met so many new people being in the motorsport industry and they're like Half of them I would call best friends or family because I'm with them so much, obviously have similar interests. But like we were talking earlier, so this this program isn't necessarily, you know, portrayed to the school or other schools or even in the nation maybe as much as it should be. I mean, if I would have known about an opportunity like this, I would have loved to take it up. Um, hopefully our platform, that's what we're shooting for, show all the different types of motorsports, show how you can get into them. Um, as of you guys how can we help you or how do you want people to find out and grow this sport grow husker motorsports that's a good question <laughs> uh that's the big one i think um i don't know yeah i mean i guess the first is i mean you can go to our website huskermotorsports.com um and there's a lot of information on there about you know, club's history and stuff like that um also, I mean, if you look at 
um, any of these, uh, if you just look up Formula SAE, um, start rummaging around, there's a lot of good stuff on social media and um, just different websites talking about it. Um, pretty much every team has their own website and stuff like that. So um, that's one way for sure. Um, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, just I think as we get more into media and stuff like that, I think it's hard sometimes for teams to get into that because a lot of them are just engineers that want to build a car and don't necessarily know how to run a social media program or anything like that um so it's it can be hard to grow it sometimes but i think once we get bigger um i think it it's i mean i think it's huge over like in europe they uh you know they live stream all the events and they you know have overlays with sector times and stuff like that um it's a little different here in the U.S., um, but yeah, I think just going to local colleges around you, asking around. There's a team nearby, pretty much everywhere. So yeah, that's <laughs> after we were talking, we uh, we figured out UND has a team. So we're probably going to get bad mouth being from North Dakota, talking to someone in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll hear something about it. Yeah, someone someone's going to bring it up. Oh, you could at least talk to the team <laughs> in U- in North Dakota. But you guys were on a trip. And like I said, you know, I was looking for different motorsport avenues, um, people to talk to on our way down, and I ran into Husker Motorsports, and it just it worked out pretty slick with where we stayed last night and everything else. And I'm I'm glad we came because I I know zero about F1, and it's cool to learn more about it. I mean, probably gotta have to go watch something now. Well, yeah. Now that like I said, I didn't even know we had a team in North Dakota. You know, UND has one. I mean, it makes sense, but. I had no idea, not not one clue. So, are these cars? Is anyone now that electric is getting huge? Are teams trying to move to the electric because you know, obviously, your torque and everything skyrockets. Yeah, and is it an option for a power platform? Yeah, so it's a it's technically a different class within the um, competition, but a lot of the big teams are switching there. Most German teams are already there. Um, uh, like the biggest team for a while was University of Michigan and Arbor. Uh, you know, they're backed by Ford and GM over there in Detroit. But yeah. uh, they, I mean, they were on top of uh, Formula SAE in the U.S. for, you know, last five years or so. And now they're switching over to EV as well. So, yeah, I think Michigan is, uh, so they were, like Creighton said, they were pretty much top in the IC and then in the nation. And internationally, they were very competitive. And they have, as of, this previous year, they've completely stepped back from the combustion side, and they've gone to electric. Wow. And uh, actually, I like this fact a lot, so I try and tell everybody that I can sit down and have a listen about it. Um, the fastest 0-60 to 60 electric vehicle right now is a Formula SAE car. So, really? so I think 0-60 to 60 is like 1.4. Like 1.5, 1.6, yeah. Wow, it, wow that's... Did it over. <laughs> That's one spoken. of the German teams over there. Yeah. I was going to say that. I didn't want to cut you off, but typical Germans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. They're on top of it, man. Yeah. When it comes to the engineering and things like this, they are they are spectacular. They do. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. One, one six, though. One, one four. four. Yeah, I don't know the exact time, but it's in Somewhere the mid there. ones. Yeah. yeah. That's that's wicked fast. Yeah. That's you watch the video. There's a video of it on YouTube or something like that, and it looks surreal. It's insane. So I'm I'm trying to rack my brain around that over here. Yeah, that's what I was doing. I think it, I think they showed on the video they pulled two G's just under acceleration, like full straight line acceleration. Wow. Wild, yeah. Wow. That's... They barely pulled two G's cornering. 
I think our theoretical max is two. Two. Yeah. I think that's what uh, our sus suspension lead told me the other day. Yeah. Wow. That's booking. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. So when you guys do the dynos on these engines over here, I mean, can you read the horsepower and everything? Is that kind of, or what are you after? Are you looking for power curves? Are you looking for uh, just test and tunes? Or what What are you yeah, after? So, so obviously we only have an engine dyno. Well, I mean, yeah, we only have an engine dyno stand here. So um, generally what we try and do here is we can put load on the engine. So we try and use that to tune it. And um, we can pull horsepower and torque numbers. So we do look for some of that to understand what our loss through the drivetrain is. Um, and then we try and just get it in the rough ballpark. And then we have a sponsor who has a chassis dyno. And we go out there and we can get some better numbers of what we're actually putting down to the ground. And they're great over there. It's the shop incorporated and they have um they have great guys there that help us out with tuning and stuff and so sure. you know i do the tuning on the car and i have so much knowledge and they add a completely whole another layer to that which is awesome so. nice so what does one of these bad boys put out for horsepower um well i got a question before that sure. because <laughs> that's going to relate to his sure i noticed I was, I was doing a lot of reading online on this you guys run a lot of 600 series right yeah yeah is that is there different classes then based on the engine, or is that just like the it's ballpark of where everybody? All pretty much one. I mean, like in the internal, there's two classes in the race. There's uh, the just the internal combustion and the electric. So obviously we're internal combustion, and the only um, thing in terms of like engine size is you have to stay below. I think it's seven fifteen. Seven ten or seven fifteen cc range. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you also have to be a four stroke. Yeah. So unfortunately, no two strokes, but. Um, yeah, we uh, we're running a Kawasaki um, 600 series out of their Ninja ZX6R. Mm -hmm. Does like 636 stock, right? Yep. But yeah, we're planning to board out to 675 this year, so hopefully see some power increase from that as well. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, and that's le led into my horsepower question. Yeah, so I mean they're 480, 500 pounds. Is that about what they weigh? 480 for this one is right on the money. Um, that's they weigh them at competitions. That's pretty much what we're ready to drive and race. Uh, horsepower wise, I would say we probably make somewhere in the range of like upper seventies, eighty horsepower which, on the six three six, which is a lot for four to five hundred pounds. Yeah, <laughs> and that's get a lot. Some goes, yeah. Right, right. So the last or two podcasts ago, I did a a guy and he put a six sixty snowmobile engine in a little mini truck. The mini truck weighs like 1,500 pounds, and that's it's roughly like 120 horse. So, I mean, and that thing, absolutely. I think he said he topped it out a little over 100 or something like yeah, that. Wow. So There's no weight in the back of that thing. No. So I mean, it's, this is half the weight and 70 horse, not much less horse, you know, 30. Who? How does a driver selection work out? Um, so, yeah, like uh, at competition, they require you to have four drivers. Um, that's... That's mainly so that you don't bring like a an all star guy or like some prodigy uh, F one karting guy, um, but uh, so like basically there's four main uh, driving events uh, and each event you get basically two runs, um, so eight runs, four drivers you can split kind of how you want them to do each run. Uh, endurance you need two separate drivers because you'll do you do. Uh, half the laps with one driver and then half the laps the other. So 
anyway, we need to bring four drivers to comp. Um, and they, uh, usually is based off of, uh, kind of engineering. Like we'll just take in engineers on the team and put them on the track and practice and see who's kind of top dog. Um, but then we get kids like this dude, uh, that roll up, um, that don't necessarily have an engineering background, but are looking to drive or at least looking to work on the car. And then we gave him a shot and he kind of went in there. So it's really just based off time, but, um, we look for the on the team internally first and then maybe go out to some other sources see if there's anybody around that put down some better times so. yeah try and look for i mean if if you come on the team if you happen to be on the team and you're like oh actually i have some racing background already then you know we'll usually give you a shot in the car because it's in our favor to have a fast driver yeah, right. uh, if you spend a lot of time designing the car but you can't get a driver to put down the times then it doesn't look that great right i mean you know you look at any big NASCAR F1 team, you know, you got a whole group of guys that are putting a car together. Mm-hmm. Usually it's most likely it's not the driver that's putting it together. Yeah. So, you know, they're building basically his masterpiece and he's the one that's great behind the wheel and putting the numbers down. So, totally understandable. It takes both sides though. You know, we know right. in across any sport, people that can build a wicked machine but can't drive it. Yeah, you still got to got to know how to run the wheel. Right. Yeah, I think, and that's kind of a lot of the, the limiting factor for a lot of teams, too, is that, you know, the quick turnaround on these cars, first of all, you don't, a lot of teams don't get a lot of testing. A lot of teams will come to competition and the first time they start their cars, you know, like in practice track or in technical inspection. And so um, having testing time and trying to get the car built as soon as possible so we can get First of all, to test the car and make sure everything's running right. Second of all, to get drivers seat time because if they don't have any seat time coming in, it's really hard to put down any sort of time. And so um, that's kind of the thing is like you can design a perfect car, but if you get to the start line and it doesn't start, or if you get to the start line and a driver does not drive it, you can't really do anything with it. So. Yeah, test time is super important, like Creighton's saying. I mean, we've seen teams which, you know, it helps us out because – if our car works but others don't, that's good for us. But it still sucks to see it. You know, you're at an endurance. It's the last event in the race series. And so you're sitting there. Their car's not starting after driver change, and they get DQ'd, which is a bummer. So this endurance event, what kind of endurance event are we talking about here? Is it lap-based, hour-based? I mean. So it's it's a, it's, it's lap-based. Um, and it's not – it's they it is an endurance for these cars. I mean, student-built cars. But it's uh, it's not super long. I mean, you're talking – it's like 22 kilometers, so like just under 20 miles, and we do it in about 30 minutes usually. But um, we'll do, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, uh, it depends on the track that they set up, but it's usually similar to an autocross-style track that they do a closed loop on. And then uh, you do half your laps, come in, uh, you get two minutes to swap your driver, um, can't make any changes to the car besides uh, you can change I guess throttle map and like tune. Yeah, you can change like the, uh, the tune stuff. Can't do anything mechanically to the car. Um, but yeah, you have to come in, change your driver, and go back out. And a lot of times it can be that is one of the most uh, kind of the sketchiest times of the race is that because uh, you have to shut the car off completely to get the driver out, and then you have to restart. So I know like uh, Missouri S and T, they're one of the best teams. Um, around and they've had a ton of success recently. I think they placed top three last year. 
but this competition endurance, they uh, changed the driver and their car wouldn't start back up at the driver change. They ran out of time, uh, had to get DQ'd from endurance and then, uh, uh, or I guess DNF, not DQ'd, but uh, they get DNF from endurance and then they go back to their paddock and it starts right back up. So they were like, yeah, we didn't know what happened, but yeah. Got hot. It happens, yeah. Huh. Yeah, 22 miles in 30 minutes, or 20-ish miles in yeah. 30 minutes. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of power and, you know, cooling involved too, so. Yeah. Yeah, obviously you want to design the car with, I mean, the idea is to keep it as light as possible, so we try and design it with the minimum cooling possible. Right. And so, you know, riding that line of, okay, what's the minimum cooling we can do while still being able to finish endurance is really tough and I would right. say our team hasn't really figured out until you know the past three or four years where we really started to get dialed in right what kind of fuel tank what kind of how big of a fuel tank do you run on these two gallons like two, two two and a half gallons yeah, yeah. I mean it's uh it's not laying over there but yeah, it's not necessarily rules based um like uh, I know a lot of racing events you have to start with the minimum fuel amount or something yep, like that yep. um they, yeah, it's not necessarily rules-based, I think, on the size of the tank. There might be some regulation that says it has to be over a certain size, but I, I know it's not, like, super strict. Right. Um, but then they, um, yeah, so you run that. And then another thing with the endurance, too, is they also measure our fuel efficiency, um, and that's another scoring portion, too. So, um, like, your fuel type and, obviously, your bore and everything else changes that. Um, yeah, we... Two and a half gallons, They and then uh, come back. I don't think we've ever run out of fuel. I Not since I've been on the team, at least, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Not that I've seen that we run out of fuel, but, yeah. yeah, cooling is a huge issue. Like, I know we were talking about earlier uh, before the show, like, uh, we raced in Vegas in 2021, and the entire week we were there was 120 degrees, was, like, the high every day. Um, and then, so, on our Saturday when we were racing, it was, like, 10, 11 in the morning, and it was already over 100 degrees. And uh, we came into the driver change halfway through, and our engine was at 250. Uh, and kind of stand there like, well, you can't really do anything about it now. Just send them back out and see what happens. And so we got it. Got like two laps to the end, and um, our driver actually spun the car and stalled it and instantly vapor locked the whole engine. Uh, and so we had no cooling. It actually shows on the telemetry that our cooling, our coolant pressure went to negative. It was like negative one psi after that happened, and then so, one like one lap from the end, uh, we got so hot that we actually melted one of our catch can lines and started spraying oil on the block, and they DQ'd us from that. Uh, one lap from the end, but we were gonna bring it home, uh, it, but the engine was over three hundred degrees. It was, I mean, it was insanely hot, and yeah, once you're out there. You know, like I said, endurance is the last event, and so whatever happens, happens. It's kind of, you know, you drive it right. till it till it falls. Either you right. finish or it falls apart, and fortunately we didn't finish that I like time. That. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's something we can relate to. <laughs> yeah, I like you know, that. the industry we're probably most familiar with, you know, um, is the demolition derby world. Um, and that statement right there relates hand-in-hand hand with the derby world. I mean, co contrary to, you know, what a lot of people believe, but, like the event, for instance, we're going to watch down here in Kansas, you know, some of these guys have $20,000, dollars $50,000 into their whole setup, and they might have, you know, a 
fifteen, ten, fifteen thousand dollar motor, whatever it is. Um, but in that same scenario, you get down to the to the end there, and you know, you know, you don't. I haven't had water for two minutes here, and it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's spitting all sorts of colors at me. But those guys will do, you know, it's just, it's the same thing. They go, well, I'm here anyway. Yep. Instead of shutting it off, you just. Run it. We're going to fly across the track anyway and see what happens. <laughs> right. Run what you brung. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. We knew we had an engine back at the shop, and we knew we had three weeks until the next competition. <laughs> so we're like, if we melt it, we'll we'll melt it and see what we can do later. Yeah. So as far as uh, getting to the events and, you know, getting put up in hotels, and I see you guys got a couple trailers. Yeah. Like, who – who provides the, you know, pulling them, who provides the rooms, or is it all on you guys? Our sponsors are helping yeah. out with that portion, I suppose. So, yeah, it's a, it's kind of mainly on us uh, to find everything. Um, I know we have resources at the university that could help us, but uh, we usually like to do it ourselves and just, like, uh, yeah, we look out to the competition time, uh, book hotels around then, hopefully get a decent hotel. We got put up in a pretty bad hotel at Michigan <laughs> uh, last year. We tried to save some money, found something that was like $50 sure. a night and got there and uh, realized why it was $50 a night. So, um, but yeah, we, um, I mean, in terms of polling and getting there, uh, yeah, all of the cars are rented from the university. Uh, we rented uh, two minivans and then a, a dually to pull our trailer and just sure. caravan out there. Um, but, yeah, like uh, some teams, you know, they have a faculty advisor that will help with that and kind of go with them to comp and make sure things going on. But uh, <laughs> we have faculty advisors, and they help us out a lot with stuff. But um, at least on our team, it's pretty much all students. So we get to right. the hotels. Or we're the ones waking everybody up in the morning, making sure that they get to sure. the track on time and stuff like that. That's what I was kind of wondering if, because I noticed there's no, like, faculty advisor or whatever you would like yeah. to call it. So. You know, making sure people aren't in Vegas yeah. doing things they shouldn't be doing or just even getting to the events, you know. Yeah. So everything basically that the whatever the school is allocated for you and or sponsor money, that's what's paying for all these trips and hotel rooms and why you can't be buying penthouses and yeah, things like that. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, Vegas was a pretty fun trip. Uh, it's pretty interesting. We uh, we actually found cheap hotel uh called the luxor casino yep. down in uh, vegas so we stayed yep. there um and uh made sure everyone was you know doing what they need to do and at least during competition and then uh uh try to not get too uh i guess blinded by the lights of vegas and Great. strip and everything some, so some background normally we race so historically the race has been in michigan and lincoln so they're usually the race one of races here, but then they I think in 2021 we're gonna do Michigan and California. They canceled the California race and set it in Las Vegas, and so okay. that was like a one-time deal pretty much. They have gotcha. not done it since, and I mean like Creighton said, Las Vegas was uh, that was an insane place to be racing at, and some of the memories I have from there are. Next to none. Well, I mean, you're at the Las Vegas Speedway. I mean, that's that's huge. Cool thing to be a part of. But at the same time, you're like, ah, I don't have to do it again anytime soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, right. That was the thing. Is like, uh, yeah, we get. They tell us it's gonna be in Vegas. You know, everyone's kind of like, 
I've never been to Vegas. I mean, I, I had never been to Vegas. Same here. And we're looking at hotels around the racetrack, and, I mean, they were packed, and they were expensive. I mean, you're talking double. We're, like, kind of joking around. We're like, well, let's just see what the prices are on the Strip. And we're like, might be, you know, 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away from the Strip. But, mm-hmm. I mean, prices of the hotels were in half, and we're like, sure, we don't mind staying on the Strip for right. a week while we're in Vegas. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're there. You might as well yeah. enjoy it, too. Yeah. And it's not like you guys went there to party. No. I mean, you're there to do business. Yeah. I mean, this is what you guys love. It's not It's not like you're going to not go there and not do it. Another thing about, you know, Vegas is there's a, there's a very large motorsports world that has developed there, you know, especially in the last five, six years. Um, all these big, bigger companies that are moving manufacturing stuff there, um, or at least the testing side of it there. That if you really want to go out and watch and look for, I mean, there's pretty much anything a guy could find that you can either go test or watch or go visit a facility and do a walkthrough and see cool things that they're developing right now. It's kind of neat out there. Yeah, definitely. I know, like, uh, yeah, it was a cool scene. I, I, and that was, like, one of the things, too. I know, like, they're doing F1 race out there now, too. And just, I, I guess I didn't really notice, but, yeah, when we got down there, down to the, you know, Motor Speedway in Vegas and, saw the you know the drag strip that they have there right by the nascar track too i mean there's a huge you know racing scene down there and it's kind of another place that like like what you guys are trying to find just like these kind of hidden gems of motorsport that aren't necessarily known yeah and bring them to light yeah i just recently so now you say the vegas f1 thing i just recently seen the video of like f1 car ripping through a hotel i don't know if you've seen that like basically yeah it's obnoxious yeah it's i mean cool yeah it's cool like, there, it was a guy videoing when he was playing, like, three-card poker or something. Yeah. Imagine being that dude sitting there, like, shoo. Hey, yeah, we're like, just going to fly a car through here real quick, all right? Yeah, don't step out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to what? Yeah, <laughs> I Don't know. leave the table. Yeah, they, uh, I think they had some, like, uh, it was, like, a kickoff weekend. It was, like, a year out from the, the race there. So, they, yeah, Red Bull brought some cars in there. And classic Red Bull fashion, they had to put on a show. Ripped it down a casino floor. Yeah. I love their videos, though. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Typical yeah. Vegas. Only in Vegas. Red Bull put, does some sweet videos, though. If they're going to put on an event or be a part of it, they're going to make it known that they're there. Yeah, yeah if anybody else, I'm going to walk in a day's in and be like, hey, I'm gonna, can I fly a car around here real quick for a video? They're going to be like, get out. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they're big enough. They just flip the bill and say, let me, let me do let this. Let me do what I want, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but guess what, though? I mean, genius marketing people pay attention to their videos. You know, we're having a conversation about it right here. It tells you it worked. Water, absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got I got one question, though, too. Um, how many people are on your team? So, yeah, I, we, like, uh, our leadership core right now is, like, a dozen people. Um, maybe a little closer to 15, maybe. Maybe yeah. a dozen. Yeah. And so, we've got, we've got two aerodynamics leads. And we have three suspension leads. Two powertrain leads, three electric leads. Yeah, chassis lead. Uh, then we had three, uh, three like upper management executive guys. Uh, so yeah, like I'd say that leadership is around like a dozen. Um, and then you know we, there's a group you know obviously of other students that roll around and kind of help us out too. And whenever we say you know hey we're gonna meet you know in this computer lab we're gonna meet in this. Uh, uh, you know, and meet in the shop at this time and get guys that roll up. So I'd say out of everybody each year that maybe inputs something on the car or does something for the car, probably around 30 guys. But really it comes down to, like, 
10 to 15 people that are, you know, really it. grinding it and making sure that uh, we get to competition. Yeah. That's what separates the uh, – I mean, I guess I wouldn't say separates. That's what can make a break or te- a team. You know, the, the better teams traditionally have really huge teams um, just because – that time is a limiting factor, and so the more people you have, the more you can get done. And so we're really excited that this year we have, you know, our team's grown pretty well, and so we're pretty excited about that. When you look at our team, 21, that went to Vegas, uh, I mean, it's like 10 of us. Yeah, I think we only had 10 in competition. I know, like, teams before COVID, uh, they had upwards of 20 leadership guys, but I know, like, yeah, 2021 when we went to Vegas, I think we only had 12 guys total traveling with us. Yeah, that which is tough. super small. We were one of the smallest teams. teams yeah. So, yeah. Now, another thing too, you guys say leads. You know, yeah. you have like arrow leads and power plant leads. Do people come? You know, say they want they want to join the team. Do they come with a certain field like they want to work in? Like, hey, I'm a suspension guy. I want maybe I can be on the team, or do they come here? Um, I guess and they're like, "Hey, this is where we need help right now." Yeah, yeah. It's like a, I'd say it's a mixed bag. Like we get guys that come in and they're dead set on one thing. Um, you know, a lot of guys that maybe don't necessarily have a, a car background, but they have an aerospace background, will want to get into aerodynamics. Or like, if you're an electrical engineer, obviously you're going to want to work on the electrical team, or most of the time, at least. Um, but then, yeah, we get a lot of guys that say, whatever you guys need me to do, I'm here to do it. So, nice. um, and then you kind of find your niche on the car where you said, well, I was, you know, it's working with the powertrain, you know, last year. So maybe I'll apply to be a powertrain lead. And then we kind of go through a little, you know, application interview process, see what, make sure you know, uh, kind of what you need to know to lead a team and, um, just like leadership qualities and stuff like that. And then, um, get you a leadership position but I think it's at least uh, recently it might have been we're talking about this the other day it might have been you know in the past it's a lot more competitive to get a leadership spot on our team but um, really right now if you're um, if you know what you need to know and you're ready to put the time in we're not going to shy away from giving you that ability to you know put a leadership spot on your resume and have a team that you can preside over and that's, I mean, at least project management, I mean, I love winning races and competing highly, but, I mean, I think one of the proudest things of our club is that these guys that are in leadership positions especially are going on and doing, you know, amazing things after college. I mean, I think everyone that I've known that's in leadership right now is that has graduated is currently an engineering job. Uh, we have two graduates that now work for NASCAR teams. We have two graduates that uh, work for SpaceX. We have... Uh, guys all over the place so it's just one of those things that's like first of all it's really fun to do in college but second off I mean walking into an interview at an engineering place or any job and saying yeah here's what I spent the last four years doing and here are the four cars I built here are the championships that we won here are you know uh, whatever you need to do right. uh, you know yeah and uh, I mean that's the thing about Formula SAE is like and it's huge on the on the job platform and companies will come to our competitions to interview people and recruit because they know that the people who are involved in this are high level and they know what they're doing and um, people want the guys that come from these teams. So in our last competition we had 
SpaceX, Blue Origin, Ford Performs there, Rivian, Tesla. Uh, what else? I mean, yeah, all kinds of companies there. Really big names. Big namers. Yeah, yeah. Not only from a, not only from like a uh, a scholar standpoint, but like to be on like these programs, it's pretty obvious that like a person has to dedicate a lot more time and you know <laughs> time and energy to something like this than just going you know going to school and going home at the end of the day. So you know, I. I I could see why a lot of those places are coming looking for people <laughs> to join their team. Like this guy's going to go the extra mile. Let's start here. You know, these yeah, are the people we want. Exactly. Yeah. I know like, uh, especially with SpaceX and Tesla, they have, uh, and they tell us this all the time in competition that they have special applications just for students that do like design teams like this, because they know, you know, the whole process of, it wasn't just like, Oh, you completed a assignment for a class that so you did a little design project. Um, and I know that the university capstone project is pretty similar in a way where you go through the full design process and manufacturing, prototyping, testing. Um, but uh, having a team that is going through that and they're also, you know, worrying about budget and worrying about scheduling and worrying about time and making sure that um, you can do all those things at once while still performing at a high level of engineering is really interesting. Yeah. Right. And I think they like to see too, that you can handle failure. So there's always going to be some sort of failure. I mean, you're not going to build the perfect car every time, and uh, that's a huge quality of how you can handle it. So it's that's cool that you got all those big companies coming, uh, watching you guys, and you have even recruited off your team. So just goes to show why programs like this are important. Yeah, you know, be cool if a lot more people knew about them. Now we got to dig into him <laughs> and see, yeah, if, see if his NASCAR friends and stuff can. Get, get us in the door, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get myself in the door. Is yeah, really right. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I, that's what I tell pretty much any student coming into engineering, uh, especially like uh, if you're in motorsports, if you're going into engineering, look for a university that has a team like this. And if you're out of university, see if your team, university has a team like this. And if they don't necessarily have Formula or Baja or whatever, um, just get involved. I mean, if any project that you're doing outside of class is going to benefit you significantly looking for jobs in the future. Yeah, tenfold. I mean, tenfold. You got to know about them, though. Yeah, you do. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Hoping to make it, hoping to make it bigger for you guys and everyone and uh, shine some light on this. That's why we are here. Um, one more thing. Do you guys... Um, does your program have any social media stuff where people could check you out other than the website? Yeah, we're on uh, pretty much all forms of social media, Instagram. Uh, we haven't used our Twitter and Facebook very much recently, but we're going to try and get back in that. I know, um, try and do that. But, um, yeah, Husker Motorsports on Instagram, uh, Husker Motorsports on TikTok, uh, and Twitter and Facebook. I think our handle's the same across the board, just Husker Motorsports. I'd um, say definitely our biggest is going to be Instagram, TikTok, and a website. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay. Well, for all the listeners uh, watching or audio, Husker Motorsports, go hit them up. Uh, pretty awesome program. And it's only growing. It's only going to get better. And with time, you know, more funding and everything else. So what what does it take to get, get your name on the car? Um, not very much. I mean, it's uh, – yeah, if anyone's looking out to sponsor, uh, we, you know, have – couple of different sponsorship levels but um any donation or service to the team will get you at least a, a sticker somewhere on the car or your name on the car um 
might not be on the nose. You know, we'll have again bigger sponsors that you know get you know certain spots where they want it on the car and stuff like that. But um, yeah, if you're looking to support our team uh, in any way possible, um, we're happy to sit down and discuss it and find a plan that find a sure you know agreement that works for you guys and works for them. So yeah, I know like um, University of Nebraska does you know, great work and they always help us out as much as possible, but as much outside help as well um, is always welcome. And, uh, you know, when you're growing up against teams like <laughs> Michigan that roll up in branded new Silverados from GM and stuff like that, it's, right. uh, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of daunting task. Yeah. yeah but it's intimidating. Yeah, yeah, it is. But you know, the fact that we've been able to, um, you know, I, I'd say we're a bigger team, but we're not definitely not the biggest and definitely not the smallest, but, um, just being with the budget we have, being able to compete in the top 10, we've been super excited about it, yeah. I think it'd be super cool for maybe in the future when you guys grow for the college to get, like, like on each component, like, you know, an engine guy or, you know, experts that, like, teach you. Because, you, like you yeah. said, you guys go to this test and tune shop, and they – um, but it, just it, trying to give these guys a plug, get them out there, uh, sponsors. It's cool. Uh, that's why we're here. Shine some light on it. I appreciate you guys' time. Yeah. Uh, it took a little out. bit of coordination. I'm glad this really worked out. Uh, well, you guys got anything left for us? Thanks so much for coming out here and talking to us. Uh, it's a really cool experience. We've never done this before, and we love talking about the team, and it's a really fun experience. So yeah. we appreciate you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. Um, you know, never really been. Um, you know, like on a podcast like this, and the team hasn't really had necessarily exposure like this before. So, yeah, anyone listening, if you guys want to support the University of Nebraska and support um, our team, Husker Motorsports, yeah, check us out on our website at huskermotorsports.com or on social media. And then uh, we can uh, um, grow the team, grow the club, um, grow the university, and grow the competition. So, yeah. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Other than that, I think uh, we're about wrapped up here. Awesome. Uh, catch more from Timeless here in the upcoming weeks. For uh, those watching, we got a lot of stuff coming your way. Yeah, and uh, for the video listeners, I'm going to take some sweet videos of uh, their machines in the shop here, kind of give you a visual of what's going on. And for the audio listeners, you're going to have to go check it out. Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening, and thanks to these guys for uh, coming on. Thanks, guys. Thank you.